I have a big believer in never crying in your office. Go close your laptop, get up, walk around and fucking cry somewhere else. Don't give your boss the satisfaction. (laughs) Welcome to the Big Kid Problems podcast based on the comedic social channel all about not wanting to be an adult. I'm your host, the writer, creator, and pretty normal human being behind Big Kid Problems, Sarah Merrill. Now, I've spent the last almost decade making jokes about entering the adult world, and as I've gotten older, I've realized that no matter what your age is, we all have Big Kid Problems. So each week, we will take a funny yet informative look at a specific Big Kid Problem, break it down with our roundtable panel, then have out an expert to help us solve our problem of the week. From love and relationships, career, money, physical and mental health, bad decisions, and just general life responsibilities, nothing is off limits. So thank you so much for joining me as we navigate adulthood together. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome back to another week and another episode of the Big Kid Problems podcast. I'm your host, the writer and creator of the comedy account Big Kid Problems, which was originally a Twitter, Instagram, and blog, and now a podcast. So this week's episode, oh man, I'm excited for this one. We've had some serious episodes the last few weeks, and this one just had me laughing out loud. We are talking about a topic I know all too well. It's one of the first big problems I ever wrote about, and that is toxic workplaces. Now, true story, I originally started Big Gay Problems in college, but it wasn't until I joined the workforce that my account started to really take off. And that's because I worked in a truly horrific office and had such good material. Like, Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I probably wouldn't be where I am today without having experienced the hell of a truly toxic job. And I'm actually hoping a lot of you can't relate to this topic. Don't worry, you'll still be entertained by this episode. But for those of you who do have experience with this, you know how all-encompassing this problem is. We spend such a huge chunk of our lives at our jobs. And if it sucks, or if your coworkers are dicks, or if you're working for a horrible boss, it doesn't just affect your work. It can affect your entire freaking life. So I experienced this firsthand back in my early 20s when I worked in fashion PR in New York City. And in terms of the toxicity scale, those three words together, fashion, PR, and New York, should already ring some alarms. PR and especially fashion PR was, and maybe still is, I don't really know, uh, very cutthroat to get into. And the problem is so many of us coming out of college are unsure of what to do and PR sounds glamorous. And since there are so many girls trying to get their foot in the door, companies know they can work you to the freaking death. And if you don't like it, you are so replaceable. So I worked for three different PR firms in my early 20s. And if you listen to my solo episode, I talked about it. But it was the last one I worked for that really sent me over the edge. And for my roundtable today, I actually called on one of my old coworkers from that job so we could talk through it together. We give you a no-bullshit look into a truly toxic environment. We'll give you a little checklist to see if you should escape your job. Then we'll share some wisdom and advice as two broads who have lived to tell the tale. 
Then for our expert portion of the episode this week, this is such a fun one, guys. I am bringing on Donald Jenkins, who is a lifestyle and leadership coach. He travels to companies and teaches them how to understand and communicate better with each other. So he's actually going to walk us through a little personality exercise and show us how to communicate with the different personalities you might find around your office. So without further ado, let's just kick this bad boy right off. Stay tuned and we will be right back. Today is Giving Tuesday, and if you aren't sure what to do to help make a difference, why not shop from a company that gives back 365 days a year? One Hope Wine is a California-based wine company whose mission is to make the world a better place through memorable wines and experiences. Every bottle gives back to a different nonprofit with over $4 million donated to date. From building a school in Guatemala and providing meals to children in need, to planting a forest in Indonesia and funding animal rescues, every bottle of wine that you purchase has a purpose and helps make a difference around the world. Look, if you're already going to buy wine, which I know I am, why not make your dollar count and go towards a good cause? They have really cute gift boxes and etching if you want to send a gift that always goes over well. I mean, honestly, who doesn't love getting a bottle of wine? And of course, giving back doesn't have to be limited to just this one day a year. Shop their amazing glitter wine bottles, gift boxes, join the wine club, and more at onehopewine.com. Trust me, I know it can be a little scary to order wine online without trying it first, but their wines are award-winning. And I can also tell you from firsthand experience as somebody who drinks One Hope by the case, it is freaking delicious. Also, a little life hack from me to you, but once you go from buying one bottle of wine at a time to having a box delivered to your door, the rest of your life begins. Try One Hope Wine today with $10 off your first order on me. Just use code BKP10 at checkout. I'm going to link it in show notes too. But again, that is BKP10 for $10 off your order today. Add some hope to your holidays and get gifting. All right. Welcome back to the Big Kid Problem Podcast. I'm joined now by Nina Ojeda. She is a serial entrepreneur and founder of several companies, including Pret, Duke, and the Avenue West. But before Nina was an entrepreneur, we worked in hell together. So welcome to the show, Nina. Thanks for having me. Oh my God. So we're talking about toxic work environments and getting along with coworkers. And I thought you would be the perfect person to bring on because we worked like in an office that was so toxic. Um, we actually worked in well, we actually worked in separate offices. So I'll explain. We we worked for a PR firm. I worked for the New York chapter. You worked for the LA chapter. Both were equal shitstorms in their own right. <laughs> um, we had bullying in the office. We had horrific hours. I don't know if your hours were as bad as ours. I. I don't think ours were as bad. I mean, I remember during Sandy, you had to walk. I think it was you and I were on the phone. You had to walk like a hundred blocks. Oh my God. Do you remember this? 
Uh, yes. Okay. Anybody here remembers Hurricane Sandy in New York? It was like the shitty, the city shut down. It was a black. I've never actually heard of the city blacking out from where I lived. No streetlights, no power anywhere. It was a ghost town and everybody was like hunkered down. No, our boss called us. It was like, my parents live in the Upper East Side and they have power. So walk there. She's like, get there. And I'm like, wait can't get there. Like no cars are going in this area of town. She's like, walk. Yeah. That is just the perfect, that's the perfect entryway into this combo. Like that'll paint the picture for you guys. And to be fair, we were also very young at the time. Like now we're in our thirties, but we were, what were we like 22 or something? We were very young and we didn't know how to stand up for ourselves and know that um, it's straight up illegal to ask somebody <laughs> to straight up walk a hundred blocks on a day that there are no, people are told to be inside. Do you remember that? Yeah. People were like, don't leave your, like the news was like, don't leave your house. This yeah, is dangerous. dangerous. <laughs> Walk. I I will never forget that. Oh, and then I will never forget that you didn't have a toothbrush or clothes for like three days. Do you remember? That that? was another thing because like we all thought like maybe the power would go back on pretty quickly. I thought I was going to be there for one day. We ended up staying there for for three days at her at her parents' house. I mean, yeah, it was never. Oh, and we were also we worked in PR. Sorry if this is already Mm. going off the rails, but we worked in PR, and she was like. Pitch the New York Post the story about the Kardashians. I'm like, there's literally, it's a fucking hurricane. Nobody cares about like clothing lines and stuff happening right now. Like this isn't going to work. No. Anyway. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, Los Angeles was a little, I think it was a very different. Um, you guys didn't have your, the boss, the boss boss in the office every day. We did. So that was a little bit different. I think it was, for me, I was very stressed out every day going in, not sure which version of our boss we were going to get. Every day was totally different. Some days it was, let's order pizzas at 1030 in the morning and everyone's doing a great job. And then other days it was like, stand over your shoulder and scream at you because you're writing something wrong. Like it was, it was like that. (laughs) Yeah. That is crazy. And I think that's a big thing when we talk about toxic work environments, it's like leadership. I feel like you you said it before we started. What was your quote? You're like, it rots at the, the fish head. fish rots from the head. 100%. Our boss was a nightmare. I felt personally victimized every time she did come to the office. And then since we didn't have her, we didn't have her in our office as much, but we did have, um, you know, another leadership team and it was Mean Girls. It was like going to work and like with the plastics every day. And honestly, I would have preferred Regina George. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> yeah, I, it was Regina, but it was, it was just, it was horrible and it was just toxic. And I, both of us, I think we're in that job maybe a year. Yeah. Before. I think I lasted about 11 months at well, the most. Yeah. 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 And it's the worst. I mean, it affects not only your work life, but I mean, work when you're going into an office every day, that is such a big chunk of your life. Yeah. What would you say was like some of the things that made our office so toxic? You know, I was saying this a little bit earlier before, but I think, um, and this might just be the nature of the industry because our agency was very, we had a few different types of clients. We had fashion, which we were both on the fashion team, but it also really intersected with entertainment and the entertainment industry. And there were always, always, always parties. And so I think that the amount of like drinking that went on between at like, within the teams and going out together and really like blurring the lines between friendship and coworkers. And while sometimes that can be okay, it was not supportive. Like, like if I didn't want to go out 
to a party and get wasted with everybody, I was looked at as a loser. You know, we got... We'll talk about the email threads. The email threads were awful. People, this is before Slack. And honestly, I think if Slack existed, while it's like my favorite tool in the world, while Slack existed, if Slack had existed, we would have gotten a lot worse of this because it was G chats and it was emails. And they used to I wonder send, if people listening are like, what's a G chat? Most likely. <laughs> <laughs> but throwback. They, yes, super throwback. Prior, prior to I. Back in our day. Yeah, back in our day with our analog phones. Um, (laughs) No, we we would get, if we would, let's say, write uh, an email to a client or to an editor or someone, and one of our higher-ups deemed it, quote, stupid, end quote, they would forward it to everybody else on the team in the entire company talking about how stupid we were. And... I know I've seen a couple of those email threads. Some of them I'd see, I've seen that even didn't have anything to do with me. But at that moment, I really realized like everyone is mean to each other and everyone is awful. Like I hated here. Yeah, it's like a, it was like a culture of fear completely. Yeah, and that was a and big shame and shame so, much shame, so much shame. But that was a huge thing is people were so cutthroat on each other. And yeah, like you said, like talking so much shit. I mean, I used to hear it because I was in the New York team, I used to hear about this fucking idiot named Nina in LA who just ruined everything all the time. And like, I feel like they would just scapegoat people. Yeah, they did. When I started in Los Angeles, there was another... Well, I should I should say this, that, that when I was there for 11 months, we had over 13 turnovers total in the company. And our I don't think our company was ever bigger than maybe 15 people. Oh, at our office, it was like four. Okay, us. so maybe like more than, there was like eight people then. Like there was really eight people in our company and 13 people turned over in 11 months. That is crazy. But it explains a little bit like what the scapegoat thing that you mentioned. It There was a girl who was a scapegoat right before me and I was like a golden child for about three weeks. And then, <laughs> and then this girl left, rightfully so. And I became the dumb one that everyone shit on on a daily basis. And so I remember just thinking like, I'm bad at this. This isn't something that I can do. I'm obviously worth, I'm a worthless human. You know, I I felt so much shame. And anytime anyone would make a mistake, instead of those things being celebrated, which I actually experienced with other bosses in the past prior to working to this place, I worked at another agency where our mistakes were actually celebrated we corrected them and then we shared with the rest of the team. And I remember being so horrified that the opposite happened. When I made a mistake, I would get blasted by the owner of the company to everyone shaming me about how stupid I was that I made this mistake. Yeah, which is such a terrible way to run a business. Because like then, and I really think that's, a big part of it is some of the older people that had been there, what, like two years made them senior, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but they, they didn't, they knew that they were going to get shit on and they were so scared that they made sure to blame the people underneath them at any given point. Yeah, no, it's true. I think, um, I think, and this is true, like learning about leadership when starting my own businesses, you know, I was definitely not perfect. I've made a lot of mistakes. Something that I always will do and that I learned from my first company is having my team give anonymous feedback to me as a leader, because sometimes even when you're doing your absolute best, you you can still make mistakes and make your team feel, you know, not at their best. And I've learned a lot about myself. I mean, it's really scary to see like your employees tell you that you've done something that was 
really wrong or that they felt was wrong. But, you know, I mean, I'm glad I learned that from our previous boss who couldn't take one single note of suggestion. Right. Or criticism. But I mean, that's what makes people better at things is Mm -hmm. like, if you, if you're doing something wrong, like learning what you did wrong and then improving it, it's not like in a culture of just like (laughs) fear and shame, shame, that's not what happens. And then, you know, nobody's really like improving. It's crazy. I want to talk about workplace bullying because I mean, I mean, we've already been talking about it, but that I think was the biggest thing, especially in, in our office, in the New York office, um, because there was no head boss. It, and like I said, it was just like kind of a, a group of like four or five chicks in an office. We were all around the similar age. I think there was no one older than 25 at the time. Oh, and our office, I think we had somebody who was 30. <laughs> like we had a 30-year-old oh, running the show. that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It, but she also, she was also the golden child at least on our team, and no one ever bothered her, I yeah, think. because she was running, she was running the that office. That must be what it was. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she was doing all of the work mm. for probably no pay because we all got paid shit. Oh my God, I never told you this. I actually accidentally, our accountant accidentally emailed me the spreadsheet of everyone's salary. Shut up. And nobody <laughs> made more than 60000 a year. That is insane. I know. Between That's not York, livable. No, between a New York and an LA office, yeah. like two very expensive cities. That yeah. was another thing. Like I remember working around the clock. I mean, LA is always different in this. Like New York, I guess every, you know, it's kind of expected that everybody just works around the clock, but I worked 70, 80 hour weeks. I was making, I was making under 40. No, 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 no. That's not true. That's not true. I was making just 40. I think Maybe I was making- 41. I think I was making 45, which is, but I was a third year. I was like a junior or, you know, an accountant. I was like three years into it. And it was, I was living in New York city. Like I could barely eat. New York city, 45,000 is like a Los Angeles 38,000. So it makes a lot of sense that that's where you were at. Yeah. Cause I was basically at that. I mean, it was off. It was awful. It It was was so bad. I'm, I'm, this conversation's giving me PTSD. (laughs) Me too. But you know what? I think what you said about working around the clock, that was one of the catalysts for me leaving and starting my own agency. It was an accident that I started an agency. I just needed to leave. And I remember one day I was work, I was working like a couple of 18 hour days in a row because we had like events or something. And I remember thinking, oh my God, I'm working 18 hour days and I have contributed nothing to society. Yeah. Nothing. And I'm like, I I can't do this anymore. I just can't. I can't. (laughs) (sighs) And it's like, if I'm going to work that hard, like, let me work for myself, you know, like seriously that I, I also had a similar catalyst, like a moment where I was like, I can't fucking do this anymore. When was it? Mine was, um, after I left. (laughs) Well, okay. That was another thing. So Nina, I saw you getting bullied so much. I mean, not saw because I was in a different office, but I just heard, like, I heard the talk and I was like, this is horrific. Like the fact that you're talking about somebody in our office like this, I can only imagine what they're saying about me. I know. That's kind of how I, when I realized it was going to be really, really bad and it's bad for everyone because even the people who were celebrated in our office still had email threads and G chats about how stupid they were and what like failures they were and how everyone wished they would quit. Yeah. Oh, before I get into my moment of what made me quit, that was a big thing with, 
we were talking about before we like leave the bullying topic. Um, I'll never forget this. I was in the office like late one night, like doing all of this extra shit at like nine o'clock at night. Everybody else left. And that girl who ran, ran the office, the like 30 year old, like had her, she asked me to get something off of her computer because oh. <laughs> I was there. And I went on to like get it and send it to her and her Gchat just happened to be up. Obviously you look, I mean, I would look. Obviously I look, so I go on it. And she has like four, like three different tabs with like the only other three girls that are in the office. And all of them, all of them are just ripping me apart. Like literally Sarah is so fucking stupid. I don't think she could spell stupid if she tried all of this. And then it was really funny. Like all of them were horrible about me. But then I also saw like what made me feel a little bit better is that like the chat to one girl was also talking shit about another girl. And then she had another chat with that, that same girl. Like it was just shit talking across the yeah. fucking board. It's awful. It was awful. I think a lot of them used it as a coping mechanism too, because honestly, I think if we met any of those girls outside the office, I really don't think we would get the same, like, I don't think we would be met with the same level of criticism or maybe we would, I have no idea, but I know that at least for me, when Especially like after being like being a leader later, I realized that like when you shame people and well, who's Amy Cuddy is the one that I love listening to. Have you ever heard her? Uh uh-uh. uh. Okay, highly recommend a TED talk by Amy Cuddy. Oh, she does the um, she does that like the body yes. positions or whatever. I, Amy I Cuddy. do love her. She has my favorite TED talk of all time. And then Brene Brown, who is like my personal idol. I'm Let's obsessed just, like, with throw her. It up for Brene Brown, I'm obsessed with Brene Brown. Brene Brown, if you're listening, I love you so much. Will you please respond to my DMs? Yeah, she, okay. she's an avid <laughs> listener of the Big Kid Problem podcast. Let me tell you. No, I've like DM'd her so many times, just telling her how much I love her. It's like really stupid, but anyway, um, Brene Brown talks a lot about shame as well. And one of the big things is you're never going to do your best work when you're feeling shame. I mean, I know for me, I shut down. If I feel stupid, if I think people think I'm stupid, like I just totally shut down and then I can't do my best work. Of course. Yeah, of course not. I I don't think I've ever felt more low about myself Mm -hmm. than when I was working for that company. Like I remember thinking like, we're, we're obviously like two not dumb girls. Like you've run three companies since leaving there. Like I'm doing okay. Yeah. And like at that time I was like, dude, maybe I am fucking stupid. I know me too. I really believed that. And it's honestly a fucking miracle that we left and we were, fu- we were okay. Cause truly- I was not okay for a long time, to be honest. I still like, literally I have PTSD. <laughs> I mean, you're still friends with some of the girls who worked there or like one, one girl. Oh, just one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. Um, I, I was going to say, I, I really like booked it out of there. Yeah. I really. You never it. looked back. I, I couldn't, it was just too, it was way too much. Like I couldn't even follow some of them on Instagram. Like the girls, I can't follow any of them on Instagram because it does bring back PTSD. <laughs> it's been like seven years. <laughs> I still, I still can't do it. It's so bad. Oh my God. And that, okay. That brings me to that moment that I was mentioning earlier about like what made me, what made me finally leave was another situation where, I mean, cause we worked in PR, like you said, you're like, I worked for 18 hours and like what I, I did not contribute to society and I any- contributed to the Kardashians. <laughs> Literally my things about the Kardashians too. Oh my God. Okay. Cause we were, both, we were both on the Kardashian account. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is back when, just so for people, listening, I hope we don't get in trouble for mentioning this. No, but here's the thing. The Kardashians aren't the problem. No, not no, at all. Not at all. They're um, actually fucking brilliant. Also, Chris Jenner, if you're listening, Chris I love Jen- you. She also <laughs> listens to the Big Kid Problem podcast. <laughs> Shout out, Chris. No, so we we both worked on the Kardashian. This is when the Kardashians had a line for Sears. <laughs> 
So like before you guys think we're really, really cool about working with the Kardashians, it was for their line with Sears. Anyway, um, so I was working on getting like a pair of jeans, like they had getting some of their jeans into a magazine. Mm -hmm. I'm going to like leave it a little bit vague. And there had been numerous conversations, like confirmations with the editor that this was going to be in the magazine. And then the magazine came out and I go to like the jeans spread that Mm -hmm. it's supposed to be in and it's not there. Dun, 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 dun. (laughs) And literally I just started bawling, crying because I was so, I was like, I'm going to get my asshole ripped open. (laughs) Oh my God. Our boss is going to find out. I I just started, I started having like a full panic attack. And then about like three minutes into the panic attack, I'm like, I am hysterical over jeans, over jeans from Sears (laughs) that aren't on one page of a magazine. I'm like, I literally sat there and I was like, I just like a a calm washed over me. And I like reevaluated my whole life. And I was like, this is fucking bullshit. I'm like, no, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm out. I'm out, dude. And also, like, for those listening, like, the thing about magazines, too, and especially now, is that no editor, an editor can confirm anything, but at the last moment, stuff gets cut. It's no one's fault. Right. And the thing is, when we're in PR, unlike advertising, where you literally pay a sum of money to get something where you need it to go, PR is all by people's choices. You can't control them. So, like, I understand, though. Like, I remember I'd go for, I went a full month one time with a, like, I don't know, maybe 10 things getting cut from stories that I had confirmed. And, and you're I, the worst employee ever. Ever. Yeah. The worst employee ever. It's just like not how it works. No, it's not. And that's the thing. I think, and not even PR, there are so many other industries and jobs out there that like you just don't have control over the end result. So I think that that can be relatable to anybody. Uh, but before, when we talk about like when we had that moment of when we knew we needed to get out, I would love to hear like, what, how you planned your exit strategy. Okay. So like, I don't know if you believe in like a higher power of any kind, (laughs) like, or the universe or whatever, but something came over me that I cannot explain. Basically I was pitching new business and it was always something that I was pretty good at, but I never really did it. And I was, I think I was really scared to try because if I tried at this company, I would be chastised if I failed, right. which is the opposite of how anybody should run a company. You should encourage people to fail and try and fail and try again. So anyway, I um, had met this guy from a producer contact of mine in Chicago who was looking for PR representation. And this producer actually recommended me, which was so nice. Um, her name was Summer Johnson. Um, <laughs> best name ever. So she connected us and he and I had been talking about PR and how it works and da da da. And he had already spoken to our boss and um, some of the team members already as well. And they were, I think they either just sent him a contract or were going to send him a contract. We were at that point. Anyway, I was like, I'm quitting today. I can't do this anymore. This was after my Kardashian thing where I'm like, what have I contributed to society? And the cool thing was, too, this company was a um, social impact organization, which I really liked. Anyway, I just called this guy up one day in the parking lot of our office. And I was like, I just don't feel right letting you not letting you know that I'm planning on leaving because I'm your point of contact. I've been your point of contact this whole time. 
I'm the person that Summer introduced to you, and I don't want you to be surprised if you decide to work with this or- this company that I'm not there and on your account. And he's like, oh, well, where are you going? And I'm like, to be honest, I have no idea. And out of nowhere, I swear to God, I was like, I'm going to start my own agency. And then I remember him pausing. And I think it felt like a fucking eternity because I was like, oh God, he's going to think I'm so stupid, like whatever. And he goes, okay, well then we'll come with you. And I was like, what? Uh, and I remember thinking, uh, uh, like, okay, I, I don't know. I'm sure this sounds great. And then I gave him, I threw like a random number out and he was like, sure, sounds good. Send over a contract. And at that point I had to be like, wait a second. I didn't have any intention of starting a business. I just knew I needed to get the F out of there. And so I, that day, I think I quit and <laughs> I had gotten an offer from a friend of mine to go travel to Haiti at the time. And that just happened to line up perfectly. And I was like, I just told our boss, I'm like, I'm going to Haiti. I got, I'm like leaving. (laughs) And she's like, oh, like, I'm really surprised to hear you're leaving PR. And I'm like, yep, gotta go. Bye. And I remember she even said to me, she's like, you were just like, I just feel like PR was like something you were meant to do. And I remember being like, fuck you, bitch. You have made my life actual hell for the last year. How dare you say that to me? But I I left with grace. (laughs) And I remember a couple of the girls, including our direct boss in the fashion, uh, like the fashion team, she even pulled me aside and goes, oh my God, I can't believe you fucking quit. I'm about to quit too. And I'm like, sucks to be you. I'm out of here. So I left. But that was really like, I, I will never forget Sam, who was the guy who took a chance on me because he, him and his like belief in me that came from nothing, literally, we never even met in person, him and I, that belief in me actually really catapulted my confidence into being able to start my own company. And I did. So thanks, fam. Yeah. Shout out, (laughs) fam. That is incredible. Yeah. He's like, he's a serial entrepreneur. He's fucking awesome. Wow. Oh my God. That worked out. I, that is like some universal shit that worked out. (laughs) Yeah. That worked out amazing. My exit was not as graceful. (laughs) Really? (laughs) You had, you had already started BitKid problems by this point, right? Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, I was doing it in the shadows. Right. 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 In the shadows, but it, it honestly, like it wasn't anything yet. And like, as still at this time, there was no such thing as like influencers or like making money off of social, like barely. So I was just doing that. Oh, the content was gold at this time because I was like talking mad shit. But no, my exit was, was not super graceful. Wait, I need to hear this. Um, so I just started, I started, uh, applying another job, not even applying. I think some people that I knew where I had mentioned, I was like trying to get out and, you know, they were like, Oh, come, you know, try to work for my company or like do this. So I, I was starting to meet with companies. I actually, I think I told this story for any of any of my day one listeners, um, I might have told this story on our second ever episode when we talked about dream careers. So I'll make this short. But I basically what left the office to go to an interview. And before I left, the the boss was like, oh, you're going to... Because I said I was going to a doctor's appointment, obviously. Mm. She's like, oh, you're going to a doctor's appointment? Like, just glaring at me. I'm like, yep. She's like, where's your doctor's appointment? I'm like... Uh, you know, like uptown. She's like, hmm, which doctor? Like starts asking me all these questions. And also I like, illegal, by the way. Oh, all of this, like <laughs> whatever. So I'm like actually like giving my like doctors like 
info. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm not fucking going there, but here's right. the info. Look it up, bitch. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> We're so, not salty at all. Not salty. You know, totally over it. Everything is cool. So I went to the interview. It went really, really well. They basically like offered me a job on the spot. What I didn't know is one of one of the people, because they offered, they were like really, really interested. I guess like somebody from that company was like, let me like re- went to the stage of going to my re- my references. Oh God. And calls up my current boss. What an idiot. Yeah. What Who if does I does that? Right. Oh. So <laughs> this is actually amazing. I on the way back to the office, I stopped at CVS and I bought gauze. I'm not kidding. Like, God. Oh my God. So you can pretend you had a shot? (laughs) I pretended that I got my blood drawn and I wrapped my, my, uh, arm up with gauze, put a little, put a little cotton ball in there. So it looks legit. Um, and I came back to the office and just had this, like the most horrific, like my boss being like, so how was the doctor? I was like, it was fine. I got my blood taken and like I had my arm, my sleeve rolled up. She's like, oh yeah, you had your blood like really, really bad to the point where she's like, can you join me in the back? Brought me to the back of the room. She's like, I just got off the phone with so-and-so from this company. Oh. She's like, I know exactly where you were. Blah, blah, blah. Like, she's like, you either, she's like, you either are like pledging to this company 100% and you are no, no longer interviewing or anything like that, or you're gone. I'm like, bye. Yeah, I literally <laughs> was like, well, I'm not doing that. So I guess I'll get my stuff. Epic. Though. Yeah. That is like a boss bitch move though. Like no, you can't be I, like, shamed into leaving. Like, like, come on. I know. Also, who the fuck pledges their life to a company and like you know for what? $45,000. <laughs> well, actually, that brings me to something. I just got off the phone with a dear friend of mine. His name is Dan Price. And if you guys Google him, you'll you'll know who he is. He pledged five years ago that his minimum wage at his company in Seattle would be seventy thousand dollars a year because he read one time. That $70,000 is the point at which money is, people feel okay with money. Like they can actually, their, their needs are met. And he cut his entire salary as CEO to be able to give this to his company. And I am not kidding when I tell you that every person who's ever worked at Gravity, his company, has said that he's the world's best boss. And I'm like, I aspire to be like that. Because, yeah. you know, what CEO on the fucking planet gets gifted a Tesla from all 200 of his employees for Christmas? Damn. I know. But that's like the polar opposite of what we went through. Right. That is polar yeah, that is that is um, the opposite of a toxic environment. So actually, while I still have you, um, to kind of wrap this up, I I pulled up an article. I did a little research on toxic environments. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> and I found a checklist. So if anybody listening, if you're considering maybe like, am I in a toxic work relationship or am I coworkers assholes? I mean, you probably <laughs> already know the answer. But I'm gonna give you this little checklist and we can kind of see how many, how many of these fit the criteria of our place. Okay. All right. So sign number one, narcissistic leadership. True. Your higher ups demand that you always agree with them, tell them they're right, and feel they're above the rules. They expect everyone else to be perfect while they can meet lower standards. Yes, 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 and yes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. um, Employee sickness. 
Toxic workplaces lead to employee burnout, fatigue, and illness due to high levels of stress that wreak havoc on our bodies. <laughs> yes, actually, there was a girl in our office who used to cry every single day <laughs> in the bathroom or in her office. It didn't matter. She cried every day. Oh, there was somebody crying at our office <laughs> at, at any given day. I don't think there was one day that went by that somebody wasn't crying. Yeah. It was How? the same person. Ours was pretty much the same person. So. We had ex- extra people cry, but like, yeah, no, same person. Crazy. I also refused. I am a big believer in never crying in your office. Go close your laptop, get up, walk around and fucking cry somewhere else. Don't give your boss the satisfaction. <laughs> also, no one wants to hear you cry. Seriously. Well, that's the good thing about living in LA. You can just go to your car and cry. In New York, it was a little bit more complicated because like there's not like you have to go to like a Starbucks, you know, like cry and there's strangers. It was not good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Number three. Lack of communication or negative communication. You and others don't get the necessary information to do your job. You work hard with no positive feedback and yep. recognition or recognition. And you might even be told to be glad you have a job at all. Correct. Yes. yes. Yep. Check, check, check. Pledge your life. Pledge your life. Um, you're so lucky to be here. I remember those combos. Uh, okay. Four. Little to no enthusiasm. Look around the office. Is anyone happy to be working there? Is anybody smiling? Are conversations positive and upbeat? Is anybody talking at all? A no to these questions equals toxicity. Absolutely no to those questions and absolutely yes to toxic. Yeah. That is a dis- it was a disaster. No one liked being there. Oh, no. There was no sm- smiling. No. I think I like once I left, I smiled for the first time like a couple months later and I was like, something's happening in my face. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, there's two more. So for anybody following along, I hope your scores are a little bit better than than ours. High turnover. When the work environment has nothing good to offer except dysfunction, poor morale, and sickness, people will start heading for the door to find a better situation. If you notice a high turnover rate in your company or department, take that as a sign of a toxic workplace. Correct. And actually a really good tip, you might not already go into this, but a really good tip is to talk to current employees before you accept a job somewhere. Oh, that is a good tip. I love doing that. Well, I did. I loved doing that. And, and I've told all my friends who are looking for jobs, please talk to people who currently work there and get their honest opinions. That's a great piece of advice. Um, okay. Final one, clicks, gossip, and rumors. (laughs) Everyone seems to be out for themselves and there are no genuine friendships among employees. There's a lot of infighting and paranoia as well as groups and rumors. Oh my God. So real for us. That was like all our entire, that was our office. That was our, yeah, that was, that was pretty much our office. Um, is there any advice? So for anybody listening, who's like, holy shit, I work in a toxic work environment. If you want to plan your exit strategy, is there any, any tips you would mention? Honestly, get out of there as soon as you can. But that's also not to say that like, you also have to look at some of your behaviors too, because I know that nowadays after hiring so many people in my career, there are a lot of, and I think this might be like a younger generation thing. I think a lot of people aren't really willing to pay their dues. Paying your dues in a toxic work environment are very different things. I'm so So glad you brought this up. Be honest with yourself about it. Like if you're doing stuff like running and getting coffee and you don't think that you, you think that you're above it, for example, you're not above it because someone asked you to go do something that you feel is below you. Like I'm a very big proponent and I would never personally ask someone to do something I wouldn't be willing to do myself. So like, I'll give you an example. There was a girl who was an entry-level position at my agency and she was leaving for the day and I asked her to grab the trash on the way out and she looked at me like I had six heads. 
And I'm like, I take out the goddamn trash every day. Fuck you. Like yeah. you're going to take the trash out. But, but I was also, I was not mean. Yeah. So I think there, you need to be very honest with yourself about whether or not your environment is toxic or you just, and you don't feel appreciated or are you paying your dues? And yes, learning. that's a really good thing to point out, especially in the younger side. So I think like some of those things that we just mentioned, yeah, check, check and make sure that like it is actual toxicity and not just like, I don't want to do this. Cause that is a whole other episode. <laughs> that is like, a whole other episode. Yeah. Which I, we could do that one too. Truly. I don't want to do this is a very big problem. And I think it's for people who are younger, who've never worked anywhere else. And it's their like first or second job. And they really just don't know. Yeah, exactly. I'd say um, a big, uh, a piece of advice I would give to anybody looking to leave their environment. Well, a, I mean, people always say like, make sure you have something else lined up. Yeah. Um, I was in a position after this job, and I've talked about it on other episodes where I left and I didn't have another job. And I was like, well, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I had the same thing when I quit that day. I went to Starbucks and I had 29 cents in my account. <gasps> I'm not joking. Yeah, I literally, I quit the day that, but I was so fortunate. I was like, this contract with this new guy has to come through because I am fucked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I so, mean, I moved home though. I moved home and I started my company. And it worked out. Yeah. I do think like having, um, you know, your ducks in a row before you leave is super important. Another thing I will mention, and I was thinking about this this morning, I don't know why, but I I failed to do this at when I left certain jobs is making sure that like you keep your contacts that you've built. Oh yeah. Like I, because I left so hastily, I didn't really get to do that. And like, you know, make sure that you, once you leave a company to like email all your contacts from your personal or whatever, mm-hmm. and just be like, Hey, like I'm in transition or that I'm moving to so-and-so company. Just want to make sure you have my info because that your, your contact list is just so important and something that um, really, really uh, affects your life and um, your career, yeah, your life. So it's so real. I mean, now with social media, it's a little easier too. That we is didn't have We didn't have that when we when we left. I think we had Twitter. We didn't have Instagram. That that is true. Yeah, we didn't have Instagram or, or I think LinkedIn existed, but it's not as prevalent as it is now. Yeah. So yeah, keep keep your contacts close. That's so true. You never know when you might need them or they might need you and you like crazy cool things happen in the future that you like Sarah and I never even met in real life until she moved to LA like a year ago. Yeah. Wait, that is crazy. <laughs> like since we worked in different offices, we talked all the time, but we didn't actually officially meet in person until yeah. I got here. So hilarious. So funny. But I feel like I've known you forever because we've been to hell together. We have. Yes. It forms a, it, what's it called? Something like a PTSD bond or something. Yeah. <laughs> we do. We, we have that bond. So Nina, thank you so, so much for being on today. And uh, thanks. Thank we're, you. This is so fun. I'll link your info and show notes if you want to find you. Actually, yeah, let me, let feel me. free to DM me if you want to talk about your shitty job. We'll I'll keep going Amazing. for hours. Thanks. Stick around and we will be right back with our expert of the week. It is officially cozy season, and there is honestly nothing better than changing into those jammies, wrapping yourself up in a big blanket, and sipping on a warm, delicious cup of Four Sigmatic. Right now, I am big into the hot cocoa with reishi mushrooms. It has become part of my nightly routine. It's like the grown-up version of hot chocolate. First off, it has way less sugar than your typical hot cocoa, and it has this little cinnamon in it that gives it this like flavorful kick. But 
But most importantly, it is made with reishi mushrooms that have been known to enhance the immune system, reduce stress, improve sleep, and lessen fatigue. All of Four Sigmatic beverages are made from functional mushrooms that have all kinds of health benefits and all boost immunity, which is especially important this time of year. Ain't nobody got time to get sick during the holidays. You can choose between their delicious teas, coffees, hot chocolates, and elixirs. All of them mix with hot water, so they are super easy to make and can come with you if you're traveling this season. I literally keep mushroom coffee with lion's mane in my bag at all times, just in case of emergencies. If you want to try Four Sigmatic, I have a special offer just for our big kid listeners. Just go to foursigmatic.com slash big kid or use discount code big kid at checkout for 15% off your order. That's foursigmatic.com slash big kid or use discount code big kid at checkout. If you are looking for a super meaningful gift for a family member this year, I love this concept and it is super original. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth is an online service that helps your loved ones tell their story of their lives through thought-provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts. So how it works is every week, StoryWorth emails your family member different story prompts, questions you've never thought to ask, like what have been some of your life's greatest surprises? And what's one of the riskiest things you've ever done? After one year, StoryWorth will compile every answered question and photo you choose to include into a beautiful keepsake book that's shipped for free. You never know what family history StoryWorth will uncover. I mean, maybe Nana was a burlesque dancer or went through a weird metal phase. Who knows? I just love this gift idea because it's such an easy way to really get into some depth and really learn about someone in your family and will help you keep those memories alive for generations to come. So if you want to preserve and pass on memories with StoryWorth, sign up today by going to storyworth.com slash BKP. You'll get $20 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash BKP for $20 off. All right, guys, welcome back to the Big Kid Problem Podcast. I am joined now with our expert of the week. We have Donald Jenkins. Hey, Donald. Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm so good. How are you? (laughs) Any better, and I really just couldn't stand it. (laughs) Amazing. Uh, Donald is the speaker and author, and then he's also the host of... You have two podcasts of your own, so you're kind of a, a pro here. So um, I had to pick one specific area that we're talking about today. And really, the topic of our episode is all about coworkers and can't stand my coworker. Okay. Sometimes that applies. I mean, this could apply to anybody, not just your coworkers, maybe your boss, maybe your roommates, maybe your relationship. But um, I know you you talk a lot about communication. Yes. That's kind of your thing. Yes. So I wanted to kind of chat with you about, you know, Figuring out communication, personality styles, and really how to freaking deal with people. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, love how you set that up. Yeah. I've always just been passionate about kind of, um, well, communicating, I guess. What we dive into a little bit more is what we call temperaments. Mm. And let me tell you the difference. A, a temperament training is just something, it's changed by one word. Personality can be developed, right, by your surroundings. And temperament is genetic. It's actually your born temperament. So it doesn't matter what part of the world that you're born in or where you grew up. 
what your last name is, uh, none of your influence. It is your genetic core needs when it comes to your emotional needs. <laughs> Wait, so if my coworker is a raging bitch, it's because she was born that way? I did not say that. <laughs> I feel like you put those words in my mouth. <laughs> just want to get just want to get clear here. I, you know, it's helpful to know. I would say uh, if she is a raging um whatever you just said. I don't even know who you're talking about. <laughs> but there may be a reason for that. Uh, and that's kind of what we dive into. Yeah. So let's get into it. You want to know? I, I need to know. All right. Mile high. Here we go. So uh, when it comes to temperaments, right? Uh, basically, Maslow's hierarchy is this triangle, right? And what he says is that, well, our behavior is dictated by unmet needs. So real common example, if you don't have food and water, does that affect your behavior? You bet it does. Yeah. Hey, hangry. <laughs> kind of hangry right I, now. <laughs> I know. I'm a little nervous right now. Um, if you don't have uh, or if you don't feel safe and secure, right, that affects your behavior. Yep. Would you agree? And so really what we're talking about are the emotional needs that we all have that we're born with. And so regardless of the variables of what comes out, the behavior is usually determined by a core need that's probably not being met or a communication style uh, that's really rubbing someone the wrong way. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever met somebody and within five seconds, you just, you knew you were going to be friends? Oh, yeah. Like just, we get along, girl. That's the best feeling Isn't ever. It? it really is. So have you ever met the other person though, where like within about a minute, you're like, they haven't really said anything wrong. I just need to feel like I'm not vibing. Yep. Right. Yep. For sure. Okay, good. That's what we're talking about. It's like you have opposite temperaments. Mm. It's not that one or the other did something right or wrong. You were just both seeing the world through different lenses. Totally. Okay. And now here's the thing. This, these people are your biggest opportunity for growth. It's, it's your biggest opportunity for the bigger picture. But it's probably not like your initial running crowd because mm -hmm. they are different. Right. Right. And that's like the interesting thing about like office culture is because like in your social life, you don't really have to interact with people that you don't vibe that's with. Right. But in the office, you don't always get a choice. <laughs> that's right. And depending on who's doing what, managing who, or you know who you report to, you kind of got to do what you know has kind of been told to you. Yeah. So help us out. Help us freaking deal with people. All right. Well, let me just give you. There's only four, and so we make it really simple. And so I'm just going to do a very, very, very mile high overview of each temperament. Love it. Okay. And so when we understand our own, then we can actually see why we kind of have the behavior that we do. But once we understand that, it's also really easy to see why others act the way they do. And then I have to make this point before I start. It's if you're having a hard time communicating with somebody, it's not because of what they are. What we really want to give the perspective of is because of what you're not. Mm, that makes sense. Okay, good. So four uh, mm -hmm. core temperaments real quick. Uh, we put them in colors. So the first one's blue. And so a blue temperament, their core need is relationships. Now, when I say relationships, I don't mean always like romantic relationships. I mean, they really just have this sense of like, we're just kind of all in this together. Mm. A relationship, uh, they're usually the people that are um, really connected maybe to nature or very intuitive, meaning they can walk in a room and they can just kind of sense that something's not right. Mm. You know, they're, they're, they're the type of people that maybe go to dinner and like they enjoy every bite because they just, they're connecting with the texture of the steak. <laughs> like they're tasting the grape uh, in the wine and they're just connected because everything to them from a core need of who they are is connected and their need is relationships. 
Is that like an extrovert or could you be like an introverted blue? Oh, that's a great question, but we're not there yet. That's actually totally different. It's, that's an interaction style and mm. I'll cover that real... Sorry, I get, I get excited. I, I like it. <laughs> I love your passion. But does that make sense? When it comes to blue, um, I want to give just two points here. Okay. A blue has a really hard time separating who they are from what they do mm. and what they do from who they are. So if you're working and somebody is a core dominant blue, understand that they their report that they're turning in is a representation of them. So if you're not a core blue and relationships aren't really high up on your core needs and you just see that it's not right and you kind of just turn it over to them and go, it's wrong, do it over, whatever, very harsh and cold, you might see things you might not like getting an argument. There may not be any tears or emotions, but you'll kind of feel this like awkwardness for a couple of days. And it's probably because the blue feels like there's a there's like a fracture in our relationship. Mm. Do you mean like they kind of take their work personally? Very personally. They mm-hmm. just have a hard time separating it because yep. who they are and what they do are the same. Right? And this is kind of what I mean by identifying that. So if you're working with the blue, just this something simple as going, hey, you know what? Yeah, I mean, there's... You're great. I'm so glad you're part of the team. Like, we love having you. I just, I need it this way instead of this way. In other words, that one little turn and maybe how you manage someone will now build them up so much. In other words, there's no fracture in the relationship. There's an ownership here. They feel like there's still peace and harmony within the, because that's, that's what they need. As long as everybody else is happy, they're happy. Mm. They need peace. They need harmony. They don't like awkwardness. So the things that they do come from that sense of the relationship. So if they're early, I'm just telling you they're early because it's rude to be late. Does that make sense? Not because, you know, the calendar or the clock said be early. Right. They're early because it's rude to be late. So everything comes from that lens. Make sense? Yeah. Interesting. I could talk for four more hours on each one. I know. I'm already, I'm like thinking of the blues in my life. Right? Yeah. All right. So let's go to the second quarter. Okay. So second color is gold. All right. And the uh, core need for gold is just absolute duty and responsibility. Uh, When I think of Golds. All right. So when I think of a gold temperament, like dominant, I, I, I want to go like look at their closet. <laughs> it's like I, I can tell you I'm not a gold. Okay. <laughs> Just from that one sentence. I'm okay. Like, okay. So, like, but normally they would have like, here's all the colors in one space. Here's all the whites. And then there's summer, spring. Here's, you know, everything's just detailed. There's a process, right? They love structure and they love processes. I need to hire a gold. A. Man, sister, <laughs> I'm telling you, I can relate to that. Um, but that's just who they are. And that to them, it's not about, it's just the way it's always been done and it works. So why would we do it any different? I'm not saying they're saying that, but I'm, are you sensing kind of where yeah. they're coming from? It's like, the golds are great to travel with. I mean, usually they're going to know the weather. They're having a itinerary, you know? And they're also the type of people that when you're on the trip and you may be having a blast at wherever you're at, uh, but the itinerary says that we got to be here in about 15 minutes. It's time to go, right? Because it, it has nothing to do with the feeling of how everybody's doing. The list said, yeah. so we got to go. So funny. Uh, when I think of uh, Gold's, um, they love to-do list. I, I, if I was a betting man, if you're listening to this and you're like, this just makes so much sense. These are the normal people. Then <laughs> you're a Gold and I bet you like to-do list. And if I was a betting man, I bet that if you do something that's not on the to-do list, you'll write it down just so you can check it off because <laughs> that's who you are. Now, a couple of things about gold. Once again, I could go in real deep. These are examples, guys. These are not like you have to be doing these things right. in order to be... A, I'm just trying to give a high level here. 
but goals have a tendency because of that mindset to always look to the past, right? If it's always worked, why would we change it, mm. right? They're traditionally traditional <laughs> because they can tell you what they're going to do for Christmas. They've done it for the last 20 years. Why? Because it's that's the way we do things, mm. right? So especially in the work environment, these might be not that they cannot change, not that they're not good at change and always new processes. I'm just telling you from their natural temperament, in order for them to change, it takes a decision and energy because their natural temperament is to stay with what's always worked. Oh, that's interesting. Makes sense. So like if your boss is a gold and you're trying to convince them to like do something new, like... Yeah you know, ease up on the dress code or like introduce <laughs> summer Fridays. How do you, what's like the secret to motive or not motivating, but like, I don't want to say tricking a gold, Ooh. but like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like getting them to do what you want. Um, I think, let me finish because I think what you're asking and what I would suggest would not be ways to convince, but when you identify what his core need is, then I would be able to say, well, if he communicates this way, this is a way you deliver it to him. A lot of it is how you are suggesting the change. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if you're going in and you're, for instance, say blue, and you're going in, you're talking about all the emotional feelings and reason whys and goods and the this, that, and the other, but yet he is a core, we haven't got to the other ones, but maybe gold or green. First of all, he doesn't care about all that stuff. And it's not that he's not empathetic to it. It's just his mind goes, I don't need all that fluff. This is clutter. This yeah. is clutter. And so the reason why it's not convincing him is because he ain't heard half of what you said. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so to him, it's just a waste of time. Right. So we're not. Whereas maybe the same suggestion you brought in with just high points. Features, benefits, three seconds. Here's what we've done. Here's what other people have done. Here's why it's beneficial. And get out. That will at least put it on his plate to like, or her plate to go, yeah, you know, they're onto something. So see how that changed? Okay. Very interesting. And that's why we're talking about this because it's not a lot about just identifying what you, uh, what your needs are that affect your behavior, but it's also identifying what others are. So if you want your needs met, communicate their needs first. Right. Then it's easier to have your needs met. So interesting. All right. You ready for the third one? Yes. Okay. So we have blue. What's the core need? You remember it? Emotions, te- connecting with people, relationships. Relationships. They're yeah. connected to everything. They're just, if everybody's happy, I'm happy. Gold's core need is structure, structure, duty, responsibility, processes. Right. All right. The third one's green. And greens are our visionaries. Um, their uh, core need is um, absolutely just information. Now, it's different than gold because. Greens have a, they don't care what worked yesterday. It can be done better today. Hmm. Like they're always just what's next. They have a tendency, remember anything that I say is sometimes not always, most of the time, tendencies. They have a tendency to come across as quiet and sometimes unempathetic. And it's not because they are either, it's just in their mind, they don't have all the information. So why would they say anything? just logical to them. Yeah. So most of the people, if you're listening to this and you're like, this guy's full of, usually the the most skeptical ones are green and it's not because it's personal. It's because they don't have all the information yet. So why would they make a judgment? Right. They need the counter arguments. They need other um, systems. They need to know. And once they have all the information, then they'll make their decision. Otherwise, they're sitting there probably with their arms crossed going, 
Eh, maybe. Hmm. Are greens indecisive? No, usually they're very decisive, but they're not decisive until they have the information. So if you backed a green in the corner and said, I need an answer, yeah. I need an answer. They're going to, they're usually responding like this. Well, based on the information I have, huh. right? They have to have an out right? because they don't have all the information yet. And so this is why they kind of get a bad rep of being, you know, quiet or very cold or just not very caring or loving. None of that could be further the truth. I'm not saying they're not that way. I'm just saying if they're a dominant green in their mind, it just doesn't even make sense why we would have a meeting in the morning unless we know we're going to have everything that we need by eight in the morning. It just doesn't make sense. To them. Well, mm-hmm. we have a meeting every morning because that's what we... Yeah, but, but why? <laughs> that's their favorite question is why. Hmm. So that's a green. Makes sense? Yep. Um... God, I have so much I want to say on all of these, but I have to stop. I know. I well, I have a quick question just because sure. like I'm thinking already. Like I'm noticing pieces of my personality in all of these. Absolutely. Good point. And you are. Yeah. We are. Um, all of us are some of all of them. Yeah. Uh, the way it works is over time. And well, if we had time, we could... Some of you can totally pinpoint exactly what your dominant temperament is. And your dominant is just your first true color. It's what you were born with. It's who you are. It will never change. And the, kind of the way you know that, and this is why it takes a little bit longer to kind of walk through this process is because it's not about what you think it is. It's not about what you enjoy. It's about what you do without having to think or apply any energy. First, let's finish up our colors. Fourth color. No, All right. one, one more. more, one more. Because if you're Check listening and you're like, what's my color? Uh, no. All right, so We're the last one, uh, we, we save this one to the last uh, orange because their uh, core need is um, by far freedom. <laughs> and if we didn't keep it to the last, they would already left by now. Because <laughs> they're like, let's just go, you know? And that's who they are. Already, um, I'm like, oh, this is my color. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And to think about an orange now, when I say freedom, I don't mean this, um, you know, they have no responsibility. They're, no. What I mean by their core need is that well, let me see if I can put it to it this way. The, the more freedom you give an orange, the less freedom they need. For example, somebody walks in right now who is a core orange and we just say, hey, how are you? Come on in. You know, uh, just whatever you do, you know, just don't sit on the couch. We just had to clean. And that's all you said. But, you know, the rest of the house is available to them, right? Now, <laughs> the first thing that orange is going to do is point to the couch and go, what, this couch? And go sit on it. <laughs> Does that make sense? Because their skin just crawled that I told them that they couldn't. Mm. Now, they have this core need of not being tied down. This willingness to just always have the ability Mm -hmm. to share emotionally and physically, that is their need, right? And as long as they're given all the freedom in the world, they are very loyal. They're the most loyal of all the four colors. They'll give you the shirt off their back. And the reason is is because most of the time they're not thinking that they probably need it in an hour, but they're not thinking about that right now. You know, they're just, yeah, you can have it right now. Here you go. But oranges are usually the best in um, like crisis situations too. They're the ones that like, if something were to happen right now out of nowhere, they pop up and they go, all right, here's what we need. We need this, 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 and this. And they go, because they work best in those uncertain, chaotic situations. To them, it's a challenge. It's a thrill. It's what they thrive in. Guaranteed a, a core orange at some point in their life has looked at their watch and go, if we leave now, we'd be in Vegas by eight. <laughs> it's just <laughs> gone. And so, yes, I, I don't want to always paint them as like just life of the party. They usually are. I was going to say, I, like, I want to hang out with some oranges. Those That's are right. My, those sound like my people. Yeah, they are, right? <laughs> if you're working with an orange, let me give some of these coworker uh, examples, especially if you're managing an orange and you give a project or something. The worst thing you can do for an orange is hand them a project and say, I need this by Friday. Okay, five o'clock Friday. The worst thing you can do is check with them 
Tuesday and go, so where are you on that project? Oh my God. And they check with them again on Wednesday. So where are you at? Because the reality is, is they're going to stay up all night Thursday night and do it. (laughs) I mean, not even touch it until Thursday night at midnight. Until they absolutely have to. Do they have to? Yep. Here's the thing. It will be done. And usually it's done really well. But if you want to feel this kind of like we don't work well together, try asking them like a gold managing an orange. Do you see a little built-in friction there? 100. Like their processes. I need an update. And if you want that, give it to a gold. They'll bring it back to you color-coded and time-stamped and all the stuff. That's a gold all day long. An orange though. Now, I'm not talking about every orange is dependable. You have to know the person. But I'm just saying a, a core need orange is just the type that they're going to do it on the last minute. But it will be done. Mm-hmm. And oranges, I, I'm already like, oh, I'm deaf and orange. But I feel like, yeah, you can't micromanage. Like that is my, that when I worked in an office, that was my number one pet yeah. peeve is when people would exactly micromanage me or like try and get me to do, you know, I was just like, back off. I know. I got this. But now if you're the orange, right? Mm-hmm. And you're working with the gold mm-hmm. that needs that structure. So do you see it opposite too? Whereas... You you put it in a role of don't micromanage me. Right. But if you're managing and motivating or whatever a gold and you know that they need that structure. Yeah. See, now you have to come out of yours. I don't care as long as it gets done because that's the way I would manage. So you <laughs> see, a lot of times we treat people the way we, we're doing it in our need. Damn. So if you're, if you're even thinking, or if you're going to like climb up this corporate ladder and be managing people, this is something you really want to have. Uh, some kind of control over, right? I, I would go a step further. If you just like your sanity. <laughs> yeah. <that's true. laughs> right? Because all it's these true. people are like, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And then it's so cool to me because this is not about manipulating and always, I'm going to learn the trick. What it's about is understanding and that if something doesn't go right or if something didn't feel right, you have the tools available to go, I wonder why. Was it, did I just see it differently? And it just gives you the tools to go, oh, Okay, that makes sense. Yep. They, they need processes. Yeah. You keep making this point and I almost want to like reiterate it and make it super, super clear. But it's you're, it's you giving what the other person needs. Right. And I feel like that's in relationships too. Like, Absolutely. You know? What's in most things? It's almost like it's a law. This is not really an opinion. It's like when you're not grinding up at something, it, it could just be so much smoother. And when you're trying to force someone else to communicate in your need, that's what you're doing. You're just, grinding yeah. it out. Whereas if you were able to just go, all right, well, let me let me throw you a softball. Then you can hit it out and then it just runs so much smoother. And the reason why it helps so much, I give this real simple example and then you cut me off, but let's just say we were dating or married or whatever. And the argument is I was supposed to take the trash out, but I didn't. Okay, first thing in the morning. Now, let's say I'm just a high goal green. You don't have to like, quote unquote, label people and nail their first temperaments. This is going into so much other deeper stuff. But a lot of times you project your second color. Mm. that's going a little bit deeper. But let's just say that we know that I am a high gold green and you are a complete blue, all right? Blue being relationships. As long as everybody's happy, I'm happy. I'm just you know loving everybody. We're connected. But I'm very structured. And in my mind, it's not that I'm intense or stressed or I don't care. It's just that in my mind, when I wake up, I'm looking at my watch, the to-do list of things I got to do. But you bring up this trash thing that's come up before, right? And so a misunderstanding, i.e. argument, in suits, right? <laughs> and in my mind, I'm like, I got a call. It's like, I, it's in 30 minutes, all right? But really, when I walk out the door because you're a core blue, now you have five, six, seven, eight hours, whatever it is, to sit there and go, you know what? He didn't even care enough to talk about it. 
In other words, it wasn't about whether I took the trash out anymore. The principle of the argument was this. But over eight hours, the blue's sitting there going, he just doesn't care about me. Like, you see how you can build it up? Oh, 100%. So now when I come back, the conversation that we needed to have that morning, is it just about the trash anymore? Oh, no. Nope. <laughs> oh, no. We are like nuclear right now, right? <laughs> but it wasn't that I did anything that added to not taking the trash out. Mm-hmm. Right? It was the communication styles. I'm just telling a lot of times, and in most situations, it takes two people to change a relationship. There's no doubt about that. But it can take just one to change the dynamics of a relationship. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if you're just aware to go, okay, it's not that I need to teach them and they, if I'm going to give into their needs, they need to give back. A lot of times you're going to be doing things and it will naturally come back because you're aware you've changed the dynamics. You haven't put your foot down and goes, my need and only my need. You've gone, okay, I understand that you have, you know, busy day and this, that, and the other. Please understand that I really want to talk about this. When you get home, will you promise me that we can have this time? Mm-hmm. And and what we did, we just parking lotted it, right? We just, now we took whatever it was and we put it right over here. Mm-hmm. So now we can come back and talk about it without 10,000 of the variables, right? Right. This is so good. And I, I'm thinking too, like in the work environment, like I, I'm just liking the way of thinking about this, yeah. you know? Like if you're having an issue with somebody, like you said, like, yeah, it takes two people to mend a relationship, but you yourself can actually probably really fix that dynamic by just thinking about, how they're reacting to things and then adjusting your personality to kind of work with that. Even though, even though in your core, you might be like, fuck this person. I don't want to like, I don't want to go out of my way to make them happy. Like maybe try it out. Yeah. Once again, the difference is my weakest color, by the way, is, is gold, right? Structure and details to me. Nope. Same. I, it stresses (laughs) me out. Right. But I can do very, very gold activities, but it takes two things for me to do them. I have, it takes the decision and Uh then it takes energy. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we're talking about. You are some of all of them, but your weaker temperament colors, it just takes an, a decision first and then you have to apply energy to be that. And that's that skin crawling feeling. You yeah. Know, like, I don't want to do t- details, but I can. Yeah. Right. And to what to the point of what you said at the beginning of this is like by stretching in that way and mm. working your personality into maybe some of these uncomfortable areas, you're actually like growing as yeah. a person and you're you know, going to only be better. Yeah. Two things. You are, you're growing, but you're also, these are kind of people that are are bringing the bigger picture to your world that you're just not capable of seeing because you can only see through your lens. Yeah. Right. So it's not your fault. That's all of us. So if you were doing any type of work project, you wouldn't want all of the same color doing the project. Mm-hmm. You That's actually need those different right. because they're going to bring different angles to the project. Right. Yeah. Oh, Donald, thank you so much. I think this is helpful. Is there anybody who's having like an issue or like not getting along with their coworkers or maybe managing somebody for the first time and not knowing how the hell to do it? Yeah. I think this is like, obviously we gave a very basic understanding of this and you could, I mean, you have talked about this for like hours. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) But I hope what you can take out of this is that we've simplified it where you can go and apply it, not just to yourself, but to others without having to really have a PhD in psychology. Right. And that's the point. It goes back to that first example. You meet that person that you immediately click with and then you meet the one that you just don't. And if you just put it in that level and go, well, maybe if I can just figure out maybe the top two colors real quick, but then 30 or 45 seconds, mm-hmm. right? You'll know whether you can get in somebody's personal space or not. Yep. Right? And that right there, getting in someone's personal space who doesn't want you there is the immediate disconnect. Yeah. 
So even the little things like that, when it comes just to connecting others very quickly is what I'm talking about. So we're not talking about life-changing, figuring out the the reason behind love, right? Yeah. It's part of it. But I'm just saying these are very little things that are saying, hey, how can I be more aware to help see the bigger picture for not only myself, but for others? Totally. There you go. If somebody wants to learn more about this or kind of dive in a little bit deeper, do you know of any like good resources? Oh gosh, yeah. His name's Donald Cheekins. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, plug yourself, Donald. Where can we find more of you? I mean, my gosh. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm actually got a bunch of stuff, but just follow me. I mean, if you, you can find me on social media. Donald Jenkins official. Yeah, you've got a lot going on though. You got your book coming out. Yeah. Got lots of fun stuff happening. Book, podcast, all that stuff. And I didn't even get into introvert introvert and extrovert. Oh my, we're going to have to have you back. I know. We're just going to have to have you back for next time. Thanks so much. All right, thanks. Can I make one last comment? Uh, Please. This sounds like a lot of really adult stuff, but can you at least affirm that I'm one of the biggest kids you know? Literally the (laughs) biggest, the biggest big kid. I am passionate about this stuff, but halfway through, I'm like, this sounds way too adultish for me. Like, I was hoping this would be a comedy routine. Were we too mature? Was this too mature for you? Way too mature. I never thought I'd see the day that we, the two of us talking, were having a too mature of a combo. Well, it happens. We can, we can crack open some wine. uh, As soon as the camera goes off, don't worry. All right. All right. Well, cheers to that, Donald. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. All right, that is a wrap on our episode this week. I hope you liked it. Hope you had some laughs, maybe learned your true colors. I'd love to hear which one you guys are. If you screenshot the episode, just tag me and Donald and tell us which colors you are. This is a fun one too, to figure out like which color your significant other is. Like I'm marrying a blue, so shout out to my blues out there. I also want to give a big shout out to our guests this week, Nina Ojeda and Donald Jenkins. If you want more from them, just check out our show notes. I have all their info linked for you. You can also find me at Big Kid Problems or on my personal at Sarah A. Merrill underscore. So follow me, shoot me a DM. Let's be friends. Um, A couple upcoming announcements. We only have two episodes left in 2019, guys. I will be off the air the last few weekends in December, but I'll still be attempting to make you guys laugh on Instagram during that time. So don't worry. I'm not disappearing completely. But then we have only one episode in January before season two is wrapped. So if you like this show... Now's the time. Please, please tell your friends, write nice ratings and reviews. It makes a huge difference and I appreciate it so much when you guys do that. Also, if you're doing your holiday shopping, I have some awesome discount codes for you from our sponsors throughout the season. So take advantage, guys. They are all listed on show notes or I'm going to make a little highlight tab on the Big Kid Problems Instagram page so you can find them there really easy. You can swipe up and it'll just be simple. While we're talking about gifts, I also got to pit myself out for a second. Guys, I have a formally published 2020 calendar that is at Barnes and Nobles and on Amazon and under $15. So it's such a good gift for coworkers, siblings, friends, or really anyone else you just don't want to spend that much money on. Um, if you visit thebigkidproblems.com, I have it listed there. And I also have a ton of funny mugs, puzzles, and other great gifts that are mostly all under $20 with free shipping. So you really can't go wrong. 
As always, I want to thank you for listening and supporting this podcast. I know there are a ton of ways you could spend your time. So I appreciate you spending this last hour with me. And I hope to see you back here next week for another fun episode. So until then, I will see you next Tuesday. Tuesday.